0: RTE's Managing Director of News and Current Affairs, Kevin Backhurst, announced during the week he's leaving to take up a role with Ofcom, the UK's telecoms and broadcasting regulator. He'll follow Managing Director of Television, Glenn Callan, and the channel controller of rt 2 Bill Malone who have departed to take up positions with AIR and TV3, respectively. That's three senior managerial departures at a difficult time for RTE. Its recently released annual report shows a €2.8 million deficit for last year and another forecast for 2016. To assess the challenges confronting the broadcaster in a rapidly changing media landscape, I spoke to consultant Aileen O'Mara, who served as a member of the RTE board between 2010 and 2015. She began by outlining the task facing newly arrived RTE Director-General D Forbes. She is the
1: CEO and she's the editor-in-chief. The interesting thing about the DG's job in RTE is that you're both the CEO of a very large organisation and you're the editor-in-chief of a of a company that is producing very, you know, high-impact programmes a lot of the time and news and current affairs, you know, the biggest in the country. And this has been an issue in the past. People feel, oh, you have to be coming from a production editorial background to do that job. Not true, I think, in my opinion. There have been people in the past in RTE who've been engineers who are Director Generals. Um, But I think you do have to have a good political brain. I think she's well served by her board, by the Chairman of the Board as well. Um, Moya Doherty is is a very, very bright woman, well connected, knows the business in Ireland very, very well and knows the commercial sector and is very confident and is going to stay on uh, longer as Chairman of the Board than she originally said she would and that's good. And I think what Dee Forbes will have to do is appoint an editor-in-chief, in in my opinion, I think she should look internally. Somebody who knows the place really well, intimately, knows the journalists, knows the programmes and can take that call at 10 to 9 when a programme is going out at half nine and they're worried about some political aspect or some worry they have and they need the editor-in-chief to make a decision.
0: You served on the board between 2010 and 2015. And just to make it clear, Aileen, although you're an independent producer, you're not currently doing any work for or commissioned by RTE. Um, where does the state broadcaster stand now relative to where it was during that time, which obviously encompassed the recession, a lot of external problems, and some internal problems of RTE's own making?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, between 2010 and 2015, the financial problems were the biggest problem, biggest issue facing the board and facing RTE. The biggest problem RTE had at the time was how we're we going to cut costs? How is RTE going to cut costs, retain what it was doing very well, and keep the confidence of the staff going, keep the morale going? And then in the middle of that, there was obviously the mission to pray crisis as well. So you look now and you look back and you say, The Irish recession is over. It is. On the East Coast anyway, it is over. But the advertising revenue has not returned to anything like the extent that you would have expected to. It has migrated to the internet and it has migrated to UK channels who are beaming into Ireland. The audience fragmentation has got much, much worse since, uh, you know, in the last few years. Everybody knows now. We're watching YouTube morning, noon and night. Netflix has become a huge issue. Uh, streaming uh, of programmes uh, and box sets. People are not watching what we call linear television anymore. But they are watching news and they are watching current affairs. And RT has um, recovered from the huge loss of confidence of the Mission to Pray crisis. And, you know, the recent years of really, really good public service broadcasting, really good uh, investigative journalism, particularly on the TV side, but also in radio, has shown that RT has come back and been resilient. So RT has proved its resilience. The staff took a pay cut and they needed to take a pay cut. But I think what Dee Forbes is coming into and saying that RT needs to be future-proofed, she's looking at an organisation that is still a very big unwieldy uh, company that probably needs to shrink quite a lot, with the biggest question that they have to face, that RTE here has to face is, do you stay the hybrid model, which is the dual commercial income with the licence fee? Or do you shrink back and say, we are going to be a pure public service broadcaster and there are advantages and disadvantages to each side but I think looking at it in the bigger picture of the context of the way television particularly is going and you know television is the big expensive part of RTE is what do you do do you say we're going to try and keep doing what we're doing fight the huge loss in uh, advertising revenue which I think they're never going to get back RTE is never going to get back or do you say we are going to do what we're really good at Think 2016, think, you know, the 1916 commemoration. Think the All Ireland finals. Think the big things. Think the nine o'clock news, the six o'clock news. Think Morning Ireland. Think radio that people take for granted. Think Lyric FM, drama, orchestras, and Irish language programmes, which no one else is doing, the RT is doing. And then the big question that Dee Forbes and her chairman of the board, Majority, have to go to the government with is are you going to fund that? Are you going to give us the money to do that?
0: The other side of that funding question, if you talk to the independent broadcasters of Ireland, if if you talk to the commercial television broadcasters, they will say, why should RTE get as big a chunk of the licence fee as it does? Why should that be, be given as of right and when there is if and when there is a new funding model why should it be RTE's divine right to get the biggest chunk of that as it does now?
1: And they're quite right to say that. I mean and the independent sector will say rightly and the commercial sector that they're doing quite a lot of similar things to what RTE is. I mean look at Red Rock and TV3 I mean there's a super example of a really well written, well produced well acted uh, soap that is now being sold to the BBC and why shouldn't TV3 be saying we should need money from, you know, from the Sound and Vision Fund of the BAI, which as we know is a bit of the licence fee already. The the I think, you know, the precedent is there to share the licence fee. I mean, RTE will rightly obviously put a hand up and say absolutely no way the licence fee is ours. But I think for for the future proof to me means that you look at, you don't call it a licence fee anymore. That's the first thing. You call it a broadcasting charge um, and you say this is for the content sector in Ireland and you define what that content sector is and you define what it is you need to be done that can't be done commercially that is uncommercial but is important that we have that covers Irish culture Irish drama Irish music but the kind of things that necessarily you know talk or TV3 or Whatever other stations will be around at the time would do, but we should have reflected in our own output that is for the Irish people and is that is part of, of you know of the Irish voice, which RTE has always done very well. But I think politically, I would say that you need to bring every you need to bring partnerships in. You need to look at the synergies of the independent sector and RTE, and RTE itself needs to lose, I think, to some extent, a monopoly mindset that it has that only RTE can do this right that's not true.
0: The commentary around RTE, certainly this week when a lot of focus has been placed on it both internally and externally because of the departure of Kevin Backhurst and that being the third senior managerial departure, seems to be around the challenges facing RTE. Should we though be looking at the other side of this? I'm sure in Ballymount where TV3 is based or Houston South Quarter where Air is based, they're looking at signalling their intent here in in terms of the hires that they've made, in terms of the content that Mm. they want to produce and they will say this signals the competition is thriving.
1: Absolutely, it, I think it's it's great news to see that there's that TV Three has been refunded. I think it's great news that there's competition in the Irish market because competition has always been very good for RTE. I mean, I used to work in here, and there was nothing better to get people up and moving than to see uh, the competitor doing something that we that RTE should have been doing at the time. You know what I mean? Like, for example, I mentioned about Pat Kenny moving. You know, the radio, the, you know, the radio centre, Radio One, got his act together and said, right, how are we going to, you know, make ourselves better uh, so that we're not going to be, you know, laid back about this, that we don't need to worry about the competition. Competition is actually very good and it's good in the media and uh, it's, it keeps people sharp and it keeps people thinking about what the market actually needs. Because I know RT is a public service broadcaster, but it is that hybrid model of being commercial and, you know, needs to see what needs to be aware of what the relevance it has to a young audience, a me, you know, middle aged audience and an older audience. And I think all the time competition keeps people on their toes.
0: That's Aileen O'Mara, their independent media producer rather and consultant. And just to say we did request interviews with the RT Director General D. Forbes and with the chair of the RT board, Moya Darty, but neither were available to us.